Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Trees. Oh, trees, right. I forgot. Are we currently recording? Yeah, we should do a show. Let's let's get okay. into it. Let's get into this one. All right, guys. Here we are. Welcome back. It's the Trash Heap Podcast. I'm Elliot, joined as always by Keith. Keith, what is this show? Given these uh, discarded gems a second chance, and we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. So wait, I'm a little bit confused. Because you said discarded gems, so I was thinking like stones... You know, diamonds, things well, like that. Well, not all gems have value, right? Uh-huh. A cubic zirconia, right? That's a right. gem, but it's a big phony nothing, right? It's made okay, out of, like, a... sugar. All joking aside, I have a genuine question about that. What are those made out of? Are they plastic, or are they... Oh, I have no idea. Are they some other type of... Uh, precious stone that looks exactly the same i don't know i think it is like it's the same thing as you know fish and chips where you have like uh like actual cod but then some people make them just out of uh, what like pollock pollock or like a fish stick which is just a bunch of mashed up different fish yeah a bunch of garbage fish oh okay they're still tasty and you maybe you don't know the difference maybe you do but Mm -hmm. uh they're definitely more affordable (laughs) When was the last time you had a regular old fish stick? A regular old fish stick? Uh, yeah. I think like probably four years ago, I bought fish sticks because I wanted a like a fish stick sandwich like when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, you like stack them all up, put some like uh, some mayo and ketchup and pickles and stuff. You wouldn't just go straight for the tartar sauce? Tartar sauce was not always readily available, so. Mm. Okay. I mean, now it is. Now I can get tartar sauce whenever I want. Yeah. Now you're now you're you know, making the big bucks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've had it. I have. It's been a very long time since I've had fish sticks, but I've been having insane cravings for them, specifically for fish stick sandwiches. Oh yeah. There's so something about it. I don't know. But we digress. We're not here to talk about fish sticks. We're here to talk about trees and people who may or may not be trees and babies that go inside of trees. And oh, wolves. yeah. We're here to talk about a tree or that eats babies for sustenance. Apparently. And has a bunch of employees that work for it that are wolves, like wolves that work for trees. Yeah, they're assistant wolves. I don't know, assistant. though. The guy who designs houses in this movie calls them coyotes when he they're... calls the police on the yes. coyotes. And then the police go, it can't be coyotes. And you know why? Because they're not coyotes. They're wolves. I also like how, okay, this movie takes place. We're, we're gonna, we'll explain what this movie is about in a second. But this movie takes place in Los Angeles. Yeah. And the person on the phone is like, ah, no, it can't be coyotes. Coyotes are all over LA. Yeah, there's lots of canyons and what have yeah, you. Yeah, but they like straight up go into the city at night. Yeah. And you'll be like just ch- chilling around. Like, I mean, I live in a city and I've seen coyotes, but I also live very close to a large gulch. Yeah. And one time I was uh, coming back from the bar I worked at at like three in the morning and I was standing in front of my house and I was like, something's watching me. 
and I turned around and there was a coyote right there. And I instantly booked it when as soon as I looked at it. But I was like, Jesus Christ. Do you think a coyote would attack you? Probably not. Much more concerning would be like there are so many deer in my neighborhood. Yeah. And I live like right in the middle of the city. But I was riding my bicycle uh, probably about like around midnight one night. And I was going under like this, this big tree just like in the neighborhood that was like creating this huge shadow. And as I was going under the tree, I only then could I see that there was a giant buck deer that it was like walking right past me. And that I would be far more concerned about than a coyote. But it didn't do anything. But I was just like, when I, when I was passing, I was, like, I was like, oh, shit, this could be bad. Well, they might think you, like, you on a bicycle at night, like, you might look like some kind of rival animal, so they might charge you. Oh, yeah. Like, they might look at you grasping your handlebars and think, like, oh, there's a, that that organism is challenging me to a fight. Right. But that's not what this movie's about. It's not about deers and bicycles. It's about a tree. No, but when that guy calls the cops on the coyote, I totally yeah. imagined. Because he, you can't hear the, the voice on the other end of the phone. You can just hear what yeah. he's saying. But I imagine them saying uh, something like, uh, coyotes in this part of the country at this time of day <laughs> localized entirely on your property. <laughs> yes. I think they are in his kitchen too at one point. So. Yeah, they're milling around outside like sniffing the windows and then, yeah, they magically appear inside. No, he has so many windows open, remember? Yeah. Like he just keeps going to another room. He's like, oh crap, this window's open and shutting it and shutting it. Like, you know, like he just left all of his windows open in this house of a hundred windows. Yeah. They don't, um, they don't but- call him Duncey for nothing. Yeah. But the movie we watched was 1990's The Guardian. Yeah, uh, a under- William Friedkin joint. I'm sure a po- probably a lot of the people who would take the time to listen to a podcast like this would know, would know who William Friedkin is. But for those who don't, uh, he's the Academy Award winning director of movies like The French Connection and The Exorcist. And also this movie. Cruising, To Live Cruising. and Die in L.A. Right. Rampage, the one that doesn't have a monkey in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blue Chips with Shaq and Nick Nolte. Uh-huh. Bug, Killer Joe, The Rules of Engagement. This guy has made a lot of just random-ass movies. Oh, I yeah. I gotta tell you. He had, like, two, like, enormous hits, like, like well-received, like both nominated for a bajillion Oscars. And then after that, it was, it's been like a real grab bag of oddities ranging from like, that was really good to like, mm, I wasn't so hot to like, what the fuck did I just watch? And this is definitely a, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. One. Now I want to say before we get into this, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I had a blast watching it. I would not call this a quote-unquote good movie. Yeah, it is the pieces of a well-made movie uh, sort of s- haphazardly stitched together. There's some a bunch of well-executed stuff, but it doesn't... Uh, I don't know. Somebody didn't read the recipe right and you know, there just are... botched it during uh, the cooking process. When you said there's some well-executed stuff, there are some images and scenes here that are potentially cool, but 
the execution is often incredibly wonky, or this the context in which they are inserted into is so baffling that it it just makes them seem goofy rather than cool. Yeah, and this has been the story with like several of the movies we've talked about recently where part of the movie seems like, oh yeah, this is the movie. And then other parts are like, who did this? Did someone else like completely different come in and put this together? And as it turns out, if you do a little digging onto The Guardian, it turns out that there was quite a bit of trouble on this production. Yes. One true. part of it was uh, the screenwriter. Part of it was William Friedkin being a goofberry. And then part of it was what the studio wanted. And so much so, like it came to a head in the sense that uh, the cable TV version of this movie is actually an Alan Smithy film. Because William Friedkin at the time was like, I don't want any part of this bullshit. You know, I saw that that, it would, that the cable version is a Alan Smithy film, but I also saw in an interview he did that he said like he had no idea that they did a different cut for a cable, and he had never like asked to have his name removed from it, and maybe it was just because they made it so different to avoid any sort of like potential like conflict of of some sort of level of creative control he had in his contract or something. They maybe they just on their own switched it to Alan Smithy for like uh, legal reasons. But, but William so anyway, Friedkin is also a notorious liar. That's true. He's the most dishonest man. He tried to convince us that uh, that little girl was possessed by a demon, and I haven't trusted him since. <laughs> <laughs> so the Guardian, though, is based yes. on what a novel. By that Dan novel? Greenberg called, called the, the Nanny. The Nanny. So this and is an adaptation of a book that inspired the Fran Drescher sitcom The <laughs> Nanny. <laughs> Correct. It's all the same universe. Yeah. Um, the plot of this movie is is there is a tree that likes babies. If I'm not mistaken, am I wrong in saying that the tree has an enormous erection jutting out oh. of it? Like am uh, I create am I a lunatic I, for having seen that? I don't think so. I you know I didn't really clock that. It was as, not subtle. <laughs> not supposed to be specifically a boner, but like now you say, it, I was like, yeah, that was probably supposed to be a boner. And based on the other stuff we see in the movie, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of phallic imagery around the tree in general. But so f- frame one, William Friedkin is like, you guys don't know what's going on. Let me fill you in. There's druids that worship trees, and then sometimes the trees will have a special guardian that will fetch food for them and run errands. Right. Which includes bringing babies for the tree to eat. Babies within a certain, like, moment of their life. And I wish that we had, they had just used this sort of uh, storybook motif that kind of pops up. I wish that had been the in-movie explanation rather than these stupid title cards. For title like cards, minute one, it was like, wow, there's no momentum here. <laughs> title cards, I feel like that's usually a studio thing. And sometimes they work and help. Yeah, sometimes they're cool as shit. But here they're just like drier than toast and not interesting and just sort of yeah. literally like a direct explainer of what you're, a, just so you're not totally lost. Uh, so yeah, this this is a movie that 
to tree. There's the tree and the lady who works for the tree, and she impersonates nannies and steals babies at their peak freshness and gives them to the tree. And then the tree eats the babies, but then the babies' faces show up in the tree. Um, so they don't cover their tracks very well. This is the basic premise of the movie. There's some yuppies that have a new baby. They, they are this. yuppies. Who, oh. Whose idea was this to make them a like an ad man and an interior designer from Chicago moving to L.A.? That's literally every movie between 1989 and 1993. I was like, you guys are the dirt. You guys are not doing yourselves any favors in like the likability no category here like what's what's going on like show me a i will take like a like brain dead like norman rockwell mom and pop over this like any day because they were just like just kind of insufferable like that job interview was super weird and then when they're moving into this rented house that makes them look like total douchebags the guy who made the house just shows up and he's like, what's up? I'm I'm Duncey. I'm the guy who made just, the house. He lets himself in and he's like, oh, I'll get this uh, this uh, broken door fixed for you. Like, why? He gets like, you so mad. He's like, look at this floor. Do they start running bicycle races in here? Yeah. <laughs> and he mentions no, it like, like two more times. So this, but this was, this was standard MO for movies of this time period, particularly in something like, because this movie is kind of like, it asks the question, what would happen if the hand that rocks the cradle was mixed with a uh, tree that ate babies? You well, know? this and came this out is, before. I know it came out before. I'm just using that hand that rocks the cradle as a very, like, So obvious. the hand that rocks the cradle is actually, like, what if the Guardian wasn't, like, pumped up full of bullshit? <laughs> yeah, if it, didn't have, if it didn't have pagan uh, trees that ate babies. Yeah, if there was no baby eating. Right, but, I mean, like, in those types of movies, that was always the thing. It was just, like... It was often an interior designer or like some sort of artist mixed with somebody who also had like a more stable job, but it wasn't. But they were like maybe transitioning to a new job and they moved to this new city and they could ex- they could explain why they were able to afford this gigantic home because it was like they're yuppies who are making a little bit of money and if they just get this house that needs a little bit of fixing up, it's going to be their new dream house. This is literally the setup for all those things and that dream house is going to be ruined by uh, a bad neighbor, uh, an evil nanny, or in this case, a tree, you know? Well, and what's weird is the only nefarious thing that the nanny does is eventually take the baby away to be eaten. But in between all that, the nanny is actually a very good nanny. Okay, so let me just explain, like paraphrase what you just said. The only nefarious things the the nanny does is try to kill a baby. But for the rest of the time, she's pretty nice. Right, but so in all the other, like in in the normal sort of nanny universe where the the psycho nanny comes in and tries to like steal the baby, it's like I'm seducing the husband, I'm like terrorizing the wife like stealing her shit or getting my hair cut like her or doing some like you know what i mean it's like all this sort of psychological warfare but here the nanny is just like here i made you some coffee i did the laundry i took the baby to the zoo (laughs) by her set of set of by her value system her intentions are completely noble and she also thinks the baby is like fulfilling its destiny you know, to become one with the tree. So, so from her perspective, everything she's doing is totally, totally for the greater good. 
And I'll say too, like I am 100% rooting for the nanny and more specifically the tree in this movie over the insufferable like parents, neighbors, coworkers, uh, yeah, Police by the officers. by the end, the the married couple uh, are acting like complete psychos, and even the cop is like, "Uh, what are you guys gonna do next? Nothing like, insane." Like, I maybe, hope maybe you should go see a psychiatrist. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "No, we'll just we'll just go back to our house with the tree." But after they've gone berserk, like beating up the nanny and then chasing her and hitting her with our, their jeep and like seemingly murdering her, they're all covered with blood and like looking all like disheveled and like wild-eyed and they're like we swear to god we killed her there's a body go look at the tree (laughs) it's got baby faces carved into so these are my initial like like rapid fire reactions within like the first five ten minutes of this movie like instantly i was like oh this must be the time that william Friedkin Friedkin made a made for tv stephen king movie except this movie isn't based on a stephen king book and it's not a TV movie; it's a theatrical movie. Yeah, because it has that vibe of something that's like a really like subpar Stephen King miniseries, like Tommyknockers or Langoliers or something like that. It has that kind of tone and quality to it. There's even like, and right after I had that thought, there was a baffling shot of somebody throwing a copy of Stephen King's It into their luggage and focusing and like zooming in on it real close for no particular reason whatsoever because it it was the absolute most unsubtle thing i've ever seen in a movie it was unhinged this book in no way comes back in any form it has nothing to do with anything other than it's also just a horror story and it's letting us know that this is going to be a horror movie it's also saying here's something better for you to uh consume i wish i would love to see mick garris uh, do this movie instead i, I feel like i did think... see mick garris do this movie is the thing right like i was like this feels like a mick garris movie yeah i mean say um, what you want about mick garris but his i think his version of this would have been a little bit more uh coherent in a lot of places sure i mean here's the thing mick garris who did miniseries like the stand and uh he's done a ton of king adaptations sleepwalkers sleepwalkers he's not like a good director Critters too no he's uh entirely competent right? right he's he's fundamentally sound and that is it but yeah and in, in that respect for the most part like his he's a bad like he writes terrible dialogue all this stuff but his movies do kind of like move along at a at a pace that advances the story in a way that makes you want to keep watching it you know like the stand is I don't know, six hours long when when you add up all the episodes. It has the cheesiest dialogue ever written, like very bland like direction. And the entire time I was like, I want to see what happens next. Like you never you never aren't you never like bored or dissatisfied despite its shortcomings. And then so yeah, that was my first response. And then a few minutes later I was like, oh no, this is like if Troll Two had a budget. And I think that's a much more apt uh description of this movie it does feel like it almost feels like um you know sort of when an american studio gets like a a art house director from another country and they're Mm -hmm. like 
they want to do all these sort of stylistic, like symbolic things. Uh, but the studio's like, no, 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 no. Don't overthink it. Just do it like this. Right. And, and there's sort of this tug of war. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I said if this is like Troll 2, if it had a budget, but a budget sort of. You know what I mean? Like ADR in this movie is some of the worst ADR I've ever seen in a studio movie. Yeah, that's really puzzling. Like why like, did the they point, need to replace all of the dialogue? Like to the point like it's like – it's not even in sync most of the time. Yeah. Regardless of it just being like obviously like not um not a uh, balanced in like volumes and whatnot. It's every, everything's like half second out of out of sync. But it does add to some of the fun. And is there any scene like in particular that you just completely lost it when you saw it? It's about three quarters of the way through the movie, and we smash cut to a doctor's office, and there's what appears to be the corpse of a baby laying on an examination table. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I was like, am I going to jail for watching this? That's a dead baby. What the fuck? There's literally a limp, completely unmoving, unbreathing baby just laying on this table with its head to its side and its eyes closed. And I could not tell if it was a puppet or not, but holy shit. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that scene was pretty weird. Like, <laughs> there was so many times when I lost it for various reasons. Like the bicycle crash. Yeah, the, the bicycle crash is the... nuts. And are we to understand, oh, God, and even before that, the the babysitter interview montage it's the weirdest fucking thing. Featuring a cameo by Mrs. Doubtfire, I guess. Right? Like I that mean, like, dark-haired older lady? Like, that yeah. was so weird. But then there was no music, but it was just, like, like jump cuts to different, like, little portions of the, the interviews with all these different babysitters for this newborn kid. Well, that the problem was is there, so weird. The scenes are also way too long to be for it to feel like, a ba- like an interview montage. Yeah. Because each scene is like, okay, I guess this is the person they're going to hire because they've been talking to him for five minutes and then it goes to someone else just having this random conversation about their uh, their experience for way too long. Yeah. You know, it's completely baffling. And then, yeah, the, the, the one who's going to get the job has a mysterious bike crash. Where I watched that scene like three times. It is inc- insanely comical. Yeah, it's not even cr- all that mysterious. Like, she's riding her bike, and a giant, I almost said a giant plot hole, a giant pothole <laughs> well, <laughs> appears, and she rides into it and is launched uh, down into a canyon and then, you know, is artfully splayed out on some kind of weird-looking bush. The world's biggest agave. Yeah. It is, it is, I don't know, I, I... There's something, and I like that's like a well-performed stunt. But there's just something about how they shoot it, and the sound effects, and the editing, where it just seems like something out of Tommy Boy. When it has that, like what you're talking about, that feel of like Troll Two, where it's like, here's just this random scene. Is this supposed to make sense? And there's no allusion to like, uh, oh, the tree did it, or the lady, the the evil, you know, babysitter did it. It's just like, no, she just ran into the hole, and now the evil babysitter can slide right in. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard of hard to like kind of describe this movie what it's genuinely like without having seen it, you know? It's definitely is, like you have to experience it for sure. Yes, and I I am 100% recommending this movie. Like I'm so glad we watched this. Uh I had an absolute blast with it. I mean, just like and it's like you know, we can talk about like oh, there's studio interference between Friedkin being like you know, I want to make this type of movie and I want to make that movie and there's script problems and production problems. Sure. Like that happens all the time. But then there's other things where it's just completely baffling. Or like the part where she's like getting ready to go out, the nanny and the mom's like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm just going to go down to Melrose Ave and like do some window shopping. And it's like midnight. Yeah. And then she's walking down the freeway uh, yeah. in like a storm in a dress. Yeah. And then, like, the, the neighbor architect shows up, and he's just like, oh, is, uh, I can't remember what the, the nanny's name is. Is his nanny still here? I told her I'd give her a ride to the doctor. It's like, Camilla. What? Yeah, because she has yeah. this giant gash in her abdomen <laughs> from getting, like, attacked by this gang of street toughs. <laughs> that get eaten by the tree. <laughs> that scene is insane, too. Like, she's just walking through the woods, and these, like, these, like, obviously, like, city dudes just appear out of nowhere. Yeah, like, what are they doing there? And their intentions are confusing. They don't seem to want to mug her. Uh, one of them really just wants to see her chopped up. Yeah. The other one just seems to want to be, like, scare her. I mean, it's obviously there's, like, some, like, what was, yeah, they're all, they're intense. So, like, are these guys serial killers? Are they just goons? Are they rapists? Like, what is their point? Yeah, what it's is... not really clear. But yeah. then she... She, like, lures them into, like, near the tree and hides the baby. And then one of the goons goes up to the baby and is like, hey, little guy, you want to come out and play? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what do you mean by that? And then the tree kills them all in a very comical fashion. And it's, like, abrupt. That's another thing is, like, I like movies like Crank and... I don't know, other movies similar to Crank where there's like crazy editing and jump fast cuts and all this stuff. But a lot of the cuts in this and like that tree attack sequence is like a prime example of like just a super abrupt out of nowhere, like like right out of the gate, like the tree doesn't do anything. And then its first move is to whack the guy's head off. Yeah, there's no like build up. No, and then there's, oh, there's a slow-moving, like, the pacing is just, like, wonky. It's like getting, you're getting jerked around. Well, it's not only, like, is not only is there no build-up in that scene, there's very little build-up with, the, with the tree in the movie prior to that, because we see the movie right Yeah, at there's the no very establishing beginning. of the tree. <laughs> the very, like, opening scene where, like, she takes a baby out, right, and the baby, like, zaps and disappears at her hand in, like, the most comical, cheap editing yeah. cut. Yeah. And then, then the baby's face, like, appears in the bark, right? But at this point, we still don't know that the tree can, like, move and eat people and has, like, a mouth, sort of, sometimes. We don't really understand how the wolves operate at this point yet. So there's no buildup throughout the movie. And then you get to the scene, there's not even buildup there. It's just all of a sudden, like, tree frenzy. Um, now, I will, to cut this movie some amount of slack... I think this is conceptually an idea. It's based on a book. The idea of a moving tree that has like 
and bend its branches and grab things and, st and whatnot. These are things that are very, I'm not going to say very easy to write in a book, but I think are something that kind of work a little more easily in a book than well, they we do. we all have a frame of reference, right? Like growing up, like, you know, seeing trees and thinking they were alive or like you sure. know, looking out a window at night, right? It's very like, that's a very familiar image and like, I think someone, something that everyone can kind of relate to and like, yeah, on the page, like it, it can very easily like come to life, but like, yeah, to right. create it in reality is a whole other. No. And it's a much harder thing to execute. And there are times where I think it does it pretty well. Like the scene, well, it's a scene, yeah, where she's like goes out in the afternoon, but it's midnight for some reason. And like, though the, the events leading up to her encountering the tree that night don't make any sense. Once she's there, and she's kind of like disrobing and like being caressed by the tree and laying on it and whatnot. Oh, like, yeah. And it's trying to I, heal her. Like, I think that scene is actually executed very well for the most part. Uh, there's some Other wonky... than the cross dissolves with the makeup. Oh, my God. Yeah. That... What is this, 1940? Not just the cross dissolves with the makeup, but it's like, hey, let's do a long hold on this dummy head that's clearly a dummy head yeah. before we do the cross dissolve. Nothing else is moving. Yeah. Like that is to, that is so baffling. Like that they hold the camera so long on that image before. Because if you just started that scene at the beginning of the cross dissolve, like it, it wouldn't be nearly as apparent that it's just like a ma a straight up mannequin head. Yeah, this was 1990. Like, yeah, there was plenty of other ways to shoot this. Uh, and I can understand even wanting to do the cross dissolve as like a stylistic choice. Like I want it to look like an old horror movie or something. And yeah. But like I said, in the, in the overall execution, it doesn't make any sense. And that doesn't make like any sense that William Friedkin made this movie. Cause I don't think he's made, I don't think he's like a knock it out of the park type of guy all the time, but this dude did make the exorcist, you know, and regardless of like, you know, like if that's one of your favorite horror movies or not, like there's no, there's no way to say like, no, that's not a very well-made movie. You know, like no one's going to say that about it, even if they don't like it overall. You know, no one's gonna be like, this is this is this is poorly edited together. This is poorly executed. And this just seems so amateurish in every respect. Those are some serious allegations, pal. They are. Did you receive a cease and desist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although, like, do you ever wonder too? Like, sometimes with these guys, these these crazy auteurs have like one or two like really good movies and then really questionable outcome. After that, like, how much of it was them and how much of it was like the cinematographer on set or the editor or other people involved being like, "Now let's just do this." Well, yeah, that's it. Like, we place all this responsibility on the director because they're the captain of the ship but ultimately yeah that's the the crew that they're bringing with them and the uh how much they are hands-on or hands-off with the movie at at you know these critical points like that is going to determine you know these outcomes sometimes you're just working with what you're working with and sure whatever the fuck but uh yeah was it just someone in the editing Sweet was just like, ah, no, we're just going to chop it up this way. I can I know, save this. Or... Yeah. Or the studio is like, hey, here's a list of all the scenes we want in there. 
right don't fuck it up you know sometimes somebody had a big hit movie and they were like heralded as the next genius and then their next couple of movies flopped and then they kind of just get relegated to directing like middle tier movies which freaking has done a lot of some of which i actually really enjoy you know like uh he did that movie the hunted with uh benicio del toro and tommy lee jones and that is in no way no way shape or form like an amazing movie it's has a pretty has a pretty like by the number script and it's just kind of a generic thriller but i think it's really well executed and fun and uh, an enjoyable enjoyable movie you know yeah i don't think it's generic i think it is like a smaller scale action movie yeah you know it's like a definitely like a cat and mouse you know if first blood had just had uh the sheriff and rambo basically right yeah well i mean i guess that's what i mean by it being like semi-generic i would say the same thing about uh the fugitive like there's nothing like incredibly unique about the no it's not like a novel concept it's it's just a simple like well done the execution is incredibly incredibly well like i i could feel like that same movie that same script in less competent hands for the fugitive or for the hunted uh could it be um could it seem like a just completely like throwaway thriller you know what i mean whereas well, I mean, The Fugitive is excellent, and The Hunted is at least like a very enjoyable movie. Well, those are movies where we always go to the what we think is sort of the sexier idea first, right? If someone's right. like, "Oh, someone's uh, on the run from the police," like, "Well, it's uh, it's two escaped cons, and like one is a you know a." A drug dealer and the other is a disgraced zookeeper and how are they going to coexist while they're on the right. lamb right instead of just like no it's just a regular guy who's like in a in a scenario that uh he couldn't have predicted and he's trying to prove his innocence yeah no no one thinks of like the sort of the you know plain toast version of that story first <laughs> Sure, and I like, and and honestly, I honestly, a lot of times would prefer that. And I wasn't even using generic necessarily as a criticism. Yeah, just saying that it's it's none of these movies, none of those movies that we mentioned in that scenario in those examples are going to be movies that are going to ride solely on their concept. You know, like there's movies that I think uh, people get more amped up on because they're a unique idea or I've never seen that before type of thing. Well, and to your, to your point, I would not normally watch a, uh, a babysitter thriller or a nanny thriller type movie, but I watched this movie because it's a killer tree movie. Right. I took well, one look at, you know, this tree trying to eat somebody while the, the guy tries to, you know, saw its limbs off and, uh, you were in. Yeah, I was on board. And there is where you and I differ a little bit because I will 100% watch a Killer Nanny or a Bad Neighbor movie. You know, I have a, oh, a soft like spot. Oh, like Pacific Heights? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely, you know. <laughs> I got You know me and my domestic thrillers. Did you ever see Shia LaBeouf and David Morse? Oh, Disturbia? Yeah, Disturbia. I have seen parts of that movie. I thought that was a nice little, like, Nickelodeon rear window. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right? Like, I you mean, show it to teens, and they'd be like, oh, if you like this, maybe you should watch this Hitchcock movie. For sure, yeah. Like, I like I have seen parts of it, but it wasn't by, like, oh, I'm going to stop watching this. I probably just caught part of it in, like, a hotel room or something, and the other part, some other place here and there. Yeah, uh, nothing super remarkable about it, but it is just, like, a nice, entertaining, like, genuinely suspenseful, like, little thriller. Pretty yeah, cool. absolutely. But yeah, this movie, The Guardian, does combine my 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 soft spot for domestic thrillers with my love of pagan rituals and human sacrifice. So, I mean, it's kind of a win-win for me. Yeah, the only disappointing part is there's not enough. I, I would like more of the ritual aspects yes. to kind of hint at what's going on. Yeah. Because we get someone in a robe early on, but that's really it. Which I also think it's funny the like, her you you never see the nanny's face, right? In that scene, because it should be when she's being interviewed for the baby, the big reveal that it's the same person, but it's not. No, the hair is completely different. Like it's yeah. it's clearly a yeah someone else. But like you know that it's you know that it is, but it's not like a the reveal is just so bland about it, you know. See, I didn't even think about it. Like, I wasn't sort of actively considering the movie at that stage. And so I was like, oh, they're just establishing the the tree lore. Like, right. the idea that this tree has a bunch of uh, independent contractors delivering babies to it. Yeah. You know, while well, we mentioned that the title card was corny... And we would like more like tree lore kind of organically coming up throughout the movie. I'm really glad there wasn't a scene where the like the dad or somebody went to the, or the mom went to the library, <laughs> you know, and talked to the librarian about like, well, you know, that there was these the druids they worship trees and sometimes they'd give them babies, you know. Yeah. Uh, which that can work sometimes in movies, but it would have been. Well, actually, maybe I do wish that it was here because this movie's already so ridiculous. So just keep, keep adding to the pile, you know? Yeah, if it worked in The Howling, it could work yeah. here. But no, I, I actually agree with that. And I think it's cool that they did the little plot element of the previous victim uh, contacting, you know, one of the current victims or at least attempting to, you know, hiring a private investigator and finding all of the people that have you know, uh, solicited services from that, that nanny uh, company or whatever. And then uh, I love the motif of the answering machine. I love hearing like ominous recordings, right? Like in the new Evil Dead, they do the, the cool thing where they uh, have a recording that I won't spoil for you. I just realized you haven't yeah, watched yeah. it yet. I love an on- ominous recording. And it used to be that like you would have to leave people a you know, message on their answering machine and they wouldn't be able to play it back until it's too late. Right? right. So it always comes at an opportune moment. It's like, Oh, here's the, the, uh, Duncey voicemail from the previous night when he was getting attacked by wolves after seeing the, the babies or the nanny in the forest with the tree or, uh, the ominous recording of the previous victim calling him and being like, you know, you have to talk to me. You have to, there's someone in your home, you know, after your baby and all this stuff. Like, I think that stuff's cool. And you get, yeah. you get a few of those. No, there's lots. There are tremendously good elements within this movie. Uh, conceptually good elements, you know, like 
describing like the bizarro execution, but if just like, here's the idea, you know, like this happens, this will happen, this will be a set piece, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm sold, you know, I'm like, this sounds rad. Yeah. Lots of great moments in a vacuum. I think you 100% could have made this in a lot of respects. This is the same type of movie that like studios like A24 are pumping out now, you know, these like arty horror movies with like ties to pagan or mythological roots of reality you know yeah where all the characters like realize what's happening and they're like are you fucking serious yeah (laughs) and like yeah the the cops are like so you're crazy right i should probably arrest you rather than be like yeah i'll buy that yeah and everyone's like i know how this sounds but you gotta believe me yeah um so it's like it's not conceptually it's not far off from those movies it's just the execution but that being said the you know, throughout there are stuff that's, that when she when he's being chased by the nanny at the end through the woods, you know, and she's flying, that's pretty fucking cool. And her her final form is kind of cool too, where she's like part tree. Oh yeah, definitely. That but that I, was one of the images that made me want to watch this. But I mean, I'm genuinely confused by that too, because like, is she is she in the tree the same person? Because earlier I was like, oh, she works for the tree and worships the tree. But then when the tree starts getting, she starts turning into a tree. Yeah. Then they're tied together. Yeah. Also all the nannies places she's nannying and getting babies from are all within like four blocks of each other because that's where the tree is. Yeah. And she like lie. Her references were pretty sloppy. Like they, as soon as he calls, I love the scene where the dad blows up and he's like, I called. I should have done this a long time ago, but I called all your references and none of them exist. <laughs> I mean, that was fine with me because I feel feel like that's a real thing. People don't call references. I don't know, man. For a nanny, for a newborn, that seems like you would at least talk to one person. But she came from the agency, right? Like the I agency. Guess. See, that you know, like... Going back to what you were saying about the tree yeah. business, though, I wonder if it's like a, <clears throat> you know, like in vampire lore, they talk about being like um, familiar. Yeah, that's it. Where you sort of kind of turn someone so that they're your slave and then but it's on the promise of eventually they'll turn you completely. And right. Become so it's a like full vampire. So this movie, it's like, I'll give you a little bit of tree juice now, and someday you'll get to be a real tree, just like me. Yeah, you like bring me. me three babies, and then you'll become full tree. <laughs> I feel like that had to be the case. Because, yeah, the, during the the violent and bloody and incredible climax where angry dad decides to end things once and for all by sawing up the evil tree, every time a significant limb is cut off, uh, the the nanny is also injured. Ultimately, holy shit, man! the The death blow is kind of gnarly, mm-hmm. where it goes from sawing the limb off to like the leg coming off. Yeah, holy shit! That angle and just like the slow mo, the whole presentation is that's that's breathtaking. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There, there is, there is very good things peppered throughout this movie, which makes it all the more baffling. 
Yeah. Uh, I actually think that the actress who plays uh, Camilla, the nanny, is very good in the movie, too. Yeah, she's pretty good. I think everybody uh, actually is pretty solid. There's not I really would, any... Uh, even... Uh, guess what, buddy? Uh, our pal Duncey, when he's... After he follows Camilla into the forest and then flees... <laughs> I love when he gets home and he's just like drenched in shit. Like he's covered in dirt and blood from like vaulting this barbed wire fence after stalking this nanny into the woods. <laughs> but when he gets in there, the uh, the assault on the Duncey residence by the wolves is actually mm-hmm. very tense and well shot and cool. It's like one of the best sequences in the whole movie. It's very oh, sure. thrilling. And he takes his like goofy, dumbass architect character and i think his performance is pretty strong i would say like yeah he's not bad in that scene everywhere else is garbage yeah it's garbage so maybe he was just like an idiot who was bad at acting uh it's like some guy that they got off the street and they were like how are we gonna be this is an important scene how are we gonna get a good performance out of out of him and they just actually tricked him into thinking that the tree was real. I wonder if he, he was... actually built the house and like walked in while they were filming and he was like, I built the house. And William Friedman was like, this is great. Let's run with it. <laughs> yeah, just, just keep going. Just keep just going. Keep Stop talking. Stop, talk about the bicycles on the floor, you know? <laughs> and then they had to work the movie around that. And yeah, they just tricked him into thinking that uh, he was actually going to get killed by a tree. So he wasn't acting in those scenes. Oh, the voicemail or the, the message on the machine was real. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, the dad, I think, is pretty bad, too, in the movie. I think he's actually really bad in it. Uh, the mom's serviceable enough, I guess. Yeah, she doesn't have a ton of range or anything. But... Yeah, doing with what she has to work with. But, like, the dad is bad. Like, he's completely unlikable. His act, You know, his acting is not good. I thought he got better the more unhinged he became. Sure. But also, it's kind of like, at one point in the movie, I was like, oh, I guess he's the main character. Yeah. But it was not like at any point clear or did I feel like he was the guy who was our conduit into the movie and we're experiencing it through his experiences. Yeah, I didn't really relate to him in any significant way. Uh, I also like how you brought up earlier how how the, the nanny never tries to do anything nefarious other than the baby stuff at the end. Because she never tries to seduce anybody or like copy the mom, but the dad completely seduces himself. You know, I really liked that dream sequence. The I thought dream? that was yeah. cool because at first it was like he thought he was having sex with his wife. He perceives it to be uh, having sex with the nanny, and he's completely mortified. He's not like into it, right? And he's not right. like wrestling with the guilt of like wanting to cheat on his wife and all this stuff. He's like, oh, shit, this isn't good. I, this is not what I want. And then he wakes up. And I was like, okay, I like that. Yeah, but the, the, that that was, you're, that, you're right. Conceptually, that's good. But it doesn't jive with the p- part earlier where he's just like luring, like like creeping on her in the hallway, you know? Yeah. And like staring at her butt. Because his first, like, his first reaction where he like accidentally stumbles on her in the shower and he's like, oh, sorry. And she's like, no, it's okay. I got the baby in here. Just take giving it a bath, you know? And he's all awkward and weird, but then like two seconds after that, he's just like, oh, give me that druid butt. Yeah, that's another, you know, where it's like in a vacuum, like there's these Mm -hmm. cool ideas, but they're like, not really adding up. In your overall movies about 
Trees that eats babies. Where would you rank this one? I give this. I would actually give this like three owls out of five. Final shot uh, of the movie is of a sinister-looking owl that only yeah, makes like it's in the at o- opening, and then that's such the, a weird shot too, because it's like, oh, it was it was the owl behind it all along. Is that what the implication is there? I think the owl like brushes past people once or twice, but it's never really yeah. Concrete, like you're marked for for baby abduction if you see the owl. Yeah, yeah. What's the significance of the owl? I don't know, but I I tried to I sort of tried to imagine what the owl is thinking in that final shot because the owl looks directly into the camera. The owl yes. is terrible uh, in terms of performance. <laughs> what other killer? T- but in, okay, I was making, kind of making a joke of like. And where you rank this in ba- trees that eat babies movies, but what other like evil tree movies are there? I mean, I can think of movies where there might be an evil tree within the movie, but what is something that like I don't know a- of any evil tree movies. There's the Tree of Woe from Conan. There's yeah. the the tree from Poltergeist. Right. Obviously, there's a bunch of evil trees in the Evil Dead movies. There's like there's in the Lord of the Rings tree guys. There's uh yeah, I know those trees are evil though. Right. And they're not trees. They're not they're tr- no, they're ants, which are tree herders. Okay. I'm so sorry I get brought your, it up. Get your facts straight, yeah. bud. There's that tree in Sleepy Hollow that's like a conduit to hell. And I uh, but it's still not a movie about a tree even though that tree plays a pretty big role in it. There's a tree in The Princess Bride that Billy Crystal lives inside of with his wife. They live do they live in the tree? Yeah. Wait, who's inside the tree? It's uh it's the the gross-looking guy. He's pale and he has all the sores around his mouth. No, he's in the dungeon. Yeah, but that's how you get in there. It's inside it's the tree. It's through a tree. Yeah. Right, right. But yeah, I don't know any evil tree movies. It's This isn't a class all of its own. The Halloween tree. There's not that The tree is not evil. No, the old man is. I didn't like that movie. It's okay. Yeah. It's uh, only like an hour and ten minutes. So yeah, this uh, this movie built the, built the genre. It really established the roots. Oh my God. Oh my god. I'm fascinated by this cable version the more I read. I want to see the cable version. I bet it's on Is there YouTube. like a is there's an alternate ending. Right. So is with more the, nudity. Like, you think it's on YouTube? I found a copy on a version on YouTube, but the not of not of the cable version, but just of the regular movie that was the quality was so bad that I ended up just renting the movie. Oh yeah, I definitely had to pay to watch this. Unfortunately. Uh, oh, I would not. I'm. I, I feel like my money was well spent. But yeah, is there any like release, like uh, like a one of those boutique DVD releases or Blu-ray releases that'll have? Actually, maybe because yeah, um, Screen, like Shout- Screen Factory yeah put out a a Blu-ray. Oh, I wonder if it's on there. I'm not As gonna I would fucking be- buy it though. I would be very interested to to see what the difference is. Yeah, so if any of you tree heads out there have a Blu-ray copy of The Guardian, uh, kick it our way. We want to borrow it. I would also be interested to know, like, what are the differences between the novel and the movie? Oh, yeah. Like, is the novel, like, more grounded or, or is it equally as unhinged? 
I think the novel is pretty mellow, actually. I think all the weird druid stuff and all that is that's all William Friedkin, who is like, I was reading about druids, and I'd like to add that to this movie, please. Then what the hell is the movie or the book if like she's just a very good nanny because she's not sacrificing uh, the baby to a tree? The nanny is some kind of a ghoul that feeds on... <laughs> the nanny is a vampire like creature that thrives not on blood but on human love <laughs> what <laughs> what so it's just like a really needy lady it's like you said she was being a very excellent nanny up until the whole sacrifice thing yeah that's what she does she is not content with mere child care she also cooks cleans and just seduces the child's parents in her spare time and sets Both about establishing her dominion over the their marriage. And then, yeah, the husband calls and checks the references, and then they fight. And oh. So the husband calls and checks the references. Yeah, she did a great job. Uh, you know, the house was always immaculate. Uh, she did such a one. She was so wonderful with the kids. We just loved her. Yeah. This is what weird. A- what an exciting <laughs> I love here's a great review from Amazon. The parents the the title of the review is the parents in the story are very boring characters and didn't care all that much for them. All in all a highly entertaining story. Five stars. <laughs> 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 I love oh man. I feel like that's every Amazon review. I am never going to enjoy anything in my life the way other people do. I am constantly just like floored by the way people enjoy things yeah it brings me happiness to just like read things like that i don't know what it means but bless their hearts yeah so yeah the book doesn't even have a tree it seems like like a fairly traditional that's baffling story yeah it's like someone's like, yeah, this is this uh, this story is pretty good, but you know what it needs? A tree. Yeah, it was from 1987, so it was not far off. It's only five. The hardcover edition is five bucks on Amazon. Maybe I'll pick us up a couple of copies. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I need another book I'll never read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good lord. Well, do you have any final thoughts on this? Do you have anything like? Would you recommend this movie? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. especially like it really really kicks into high gear about halfway through yeah i feel like this is also like would be a really good like halloween movie yeah to watch yeah and i think too like the the look of it and like the look of their house is like kind of prescient like there's a lot of like people that are dressing like that and styling their homes like that so sure it'll be probably a lot more relatable than we're prime prime for this movie to be rediscovered yeah, I would 100% recommend this movie. Like I said, a good Halloween party movie. Um, it's quite a hoot. So, thanks, William Friedkin, I guess. All right, well, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, Join us next time where we'll be talking about, uh, you guessed it, everyone's favorite, R.I.P.D., the Rest in Peace Department, starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for that one. Tune in next time for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, That does it. So see you later. And, Keith, what do you always say? Uh, Trees don't talk. 
And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.